the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now, I present to you the one, the only, Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Right, welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results. Today, we have the incredible Stephen Housley, fellow Oregon Duck. And for those who are wondering who is this amazing guy that's in front of you today, a little bit of background about Stephen is today, we're going to discuss easy optimizations you can make to boost your organic search visibility and highlight key analytics you should monitor for performance. And a little bit about him, Stephen leads the SEO and analytics team at Gravitate, a Vancouver-based web design and growth marketing agency. From startups to Fortune 500 companies, Housley helps his clients better understand their audience, their digital performance, and learns how to capitalize on organic growth opportunities. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Housley. Stephen, tell us something that you're proud of. Tell us a badass thing you've accomplished. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me, first of all. Um, if I had to pick one thing I'm particularly proud of, it's that I built and sold my own small e-commerce business. So um, I know exactly what it's like starting from you know very minimal marketing budget and um, building something up kind of from scratch. And although it wasn't a particularly big exit or huge business success even, <laughs> I learned a lot along the way. So that, that I'm most proud of. Yeah, so so we'd love to hear. Um, tell us about the journey of how the heck you went from uh, this uh, guy in high school or college to being able to freaking build a business and sell it. Like, did you always knew you wanted to build a business? You know, startups and, and doing side businesses has always been something I've been interested in. But I think for me, it really started with an itch to educate myself and really wanting to be an expert in um what I did in my day job, which was digital marketing, SEO, analytics, website building. And um, yeah, so that kind of just started by sort of scratching my own itch, but also following a passion. Um, I've been interested in music outside of work for, or just in general in my life since I was a kid. So this is a way for me to um, dig in and learn a little bit about what it would be to start my own website, but also, um, you know, doing something that kind of aligns with my passion, which, which was music. It was a music-related business, I should clarify. <laughs> so you you found a way to monetize your passion. I mean, not many people know how to do that. How, how did you figure that out? So this came about through um, learning about music licensing. It was a music licensing business. And as I was working at an ad agency, I learned about how artists can place their songs in commercials and how they can get royalties and get paid for that. And that started making me wonder, I'm like, oh, wait, you can get paid for putting music in commercials? Like, how cool. Um, so that was just how I became aware. And then from there, it was digging in, talking to people in the industry, um, making connections with with folks I, I didn't even know through email, starting to understand how things work, looking at um, different businesses that already exist and start to think, you know, could I, could I do this on my own? Could I do this better? What resources do I have? What do I need to, to learn to um, start my own business? Um, and you know, over a couple of years of trial and error, finally got something off the ground. I love that quote you just said is, can I do this better? 
And I, I yeah. think that, um, you know, there's, there's a story of like a TED talk that talks about the importance of the first penguin. Um, and the analogy is like in Antarctica, when all the penguins are thinking about going for a swim, a lot of them are scared to jump into the water because obviously right. they're, um, I don't know if there's not sharks in Antarctica, but there's a lot of orca whales and seals that are ready to eat them. And no one can jump in until that first penguin jumps in. Um, but the beauty of the first penguin jumping in is the other penguin's going to go, huh, I wonder uh, how I can swim mm -hmm. differently or swim better to avoid the orcas and the seals. Yep. Um, and so I love that you had the courage to say, what could I do better? And then you actually went out and you did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, Try it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so, well, you did it. Yeah. You built it and you sold it. Um, yeah. Did anyone help you with that journey? Because I feel like a lot of people believe that you have to go do things on your own. So tell us about that experience. Oh my goodness. Yes. I, I think um, people, you know, in, in my immediate life were always in, encouraging and people I knew personally, but moreover, um, you know, staying motivated through uh, books and other content out there, people I don't even know. I think, you know, learning things on YouTube, there is plenty of digital mentors, I guess you could call them out there that, um, served me along the way. So people like yourself too, and in close oh. people like yourself that, you know, run <laughs> similar businesses or e-commerce or digital businesses that, um, may not be in the same field, but, you know, talking with people that are at your similar stage where they can empathize with you and, and help you along the way. So it's really good to surround yourself with other like-minded people. Yeah. And, and I know that, um, yeah, you want to dive in and, uh, Excuse me, share your screen and talk about, yeah. Sure. Uh, grow the yeah, business. let's talk about how to um, grow the business. If there are um, questions you have along the way, um, would love to, you know, answer those. Because um, really, like, I know what it's like working with a um, peanut rinky-dink marketing budget. But mm -hmm. I also know what it's like to work with a, you know, multi-million dollar marketing budget. Um, so I, between my own um, ventures and then being a, um, at the agency in the marketing world, um, really have that full spectrum of knowledge of like, I know what it's like to, to have $0 to spend. I know what it's like to have multi-million dollars to spend. Um, so, you know, as we're kind of going through this, if, if anything comes up or if you want to me to like narrow in a, on a particular kind of business, I'd uh, be happy to do that. Yes. So let uh, me just do a screen share here and we'll start getting into things. Okay. All right. So I'm going to share my desktop and can you see this leveraging search to drive business? Yes. Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. So um, I'm going to keep tabs on time because I do have about 30 minutes. So maybe save a little bit of time for Q and a as well. Um, if anything comes up. So we'll talk a little bit more about me, some context, like we're, where I spend my time in my career, where I'm going. Um, <clears throat> then we'll talk about the concept of digital ecosystems, talk about um, analytics and how measurement is super, super important in marketing. Um, then we'll talk about different SEO and search tactics how, and how you know businesses, whether you're small or you're um, enterprise, can leverage search to really drive performance. So a little bit more about me. I grew up in the <clears throat> Northwest in the Vancouver, Mar Vancouver, Washington area. Always been interested in marketing. Um, as Andrew mentioned, went to the University of Oregon. Um, interested in skateboarding and golf and playing music outside of work. Um, but my day to day is really supporting really high, fast paced enterprise startups. So I work with a lot of heavily funded startups. 
um, but also established businesses, e-commerce businesses, and, and a wide spectrum of things, which is a lot of fun. Um, my next role is actually as I'm transitioning out of working in agency world as I'm um, moving in-house over the next uh, couple of weeks to REI. Uh, this will be my first chance to work in-house with a very large brand, um, specifically with marketing analytics. So I'm not really pumped about it. I'm not in, in yet, but I'll be in there um, in about two weeks and awesome. we'll get, get my hands on um, some really, really you know, even higher spend marketing budgets and more complicated marketing budgets from retail to digital e-commerce as well. Um, so clients I work with now, and I have worked with over the past few years, here's a, here's a handful of them, um, mostly focusing on search engine optimization, which is showing up in Google search or Bing search. Um, believe it or not, some people use Bing or, or DuckDuckGo. Um, there's one search engine I've been using lately called Ecosia, which is sort of like a eco-friendly search engine. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. So it doesn't have to be Google. And that's all about ranking organically where you're not paying ads um, for search terms that might drive traffic or drive um, leads or revenue. Also do a lot, of, a lot of UX research, split testing, and what we call conversion rate optimization, which would be testing layouts, um, you know, version A versus version B, what's getting more engagement, what's getting more conversion, could be things like testing button colors, could be things like testing layouts or verbiage on a website and using statistics to really optimize um, a web experience. And that, that comes with time, you know, you can't, there's no need to really do that as a very early stage business, but as you get more traffic on your site and more marketing spend starts happening, you want to start to optimize that. So here's a couple of brands I work with now. Um, so let's talk about digital ecosystems. So the reason why a website is so important is because that is an asset that you own. So if you think about other um, areas of marketing, like let's take Facebook, for example, there used to be a time when Facebook was a business tool. It was a free tool. Um, of course, that wasn't Facebook's intention, but you know, businesses create could create a profile, they could post things, and people would see it. Um, now, the organic reach on Facebook is next to nothing. Less than 1% of people that follow your business page will actually see your content. So um, you have to pay to play there now. If you want people to, that even follow you to see your content, you got to boost your posts. If you want to engage new audiences and prospect, you got to pay for that as well. If, and you can even, you could think about that um, in other advertising as well, um, display advertising, even search advertising. And frankly, sometimes even with SEO, um, your website will um, show content on the search engine results page, but um, not actually drive the user to your website. It might just give you the results right on Google. I'm sure you've seen that. Um, and that's happening more and more. And the point here is that these media companies and these marketing outlets want you to stay in their ecosystem as much as possible and to pay to play. Whereas your website is like truly one of the few things that you own, that you can control the content, you can control the experience, you can control the offers, how long people stay there. Um, and that's, that's an asset. That's something to think about is like the hub for all of these other supporting channels should always be thinking about how could I drive traffic to something that I own? Because when I get them to my website, I can then, you know, put a pixel on them. This is getting a little bit more technical, 
but I could put a pixel on them or put them into an audience or capture their email so I could, you know, remarket to them down the line. A little harder to do that on your social profiles and other things. Um, and that's kind of where like the idea of like full funnel marketing comes in and knowing what channels to use when, because we have all of these channels available um, and it's hard to do everything at full force. And you may not always want to, you know, right out of the gate, spend all of your marketing budget on all of these different channels. Sometimes it's helpful to think about um, your audience. Think about, you know, is this something that is currently in demand? Is this something that people are searching for? Well, if it is, then, you know, maybe we need to start looking at search channels because when you're searching for something in Google and being duck, duck, go, um, you are, you know, coming with intent, meaning I have to come into Google and I, as a, as a humanoid am typing something in, and that's because I want to get something. I want to learn something or I want to buy something or I want to, you know, inquire about something. Um, that's really powerful in marketing because, you know, that's sort of like um, coming into the store and saying, you know, like, I really want to, I need to buy a new pair of gloves and I'm going to go to the glove aisle like that. You already have intent. So search is a wonderful place to start with marketing and you can pay for that intent or you could do um, organic search marketing for that intent. And, you know, ideally you're doing a little bit of both there. Um, then on the other side of things on the top of funnel, we're kind of talking about like, you know, driving volume to a website, um, you have prospecting and social. So when you're on a social profile or on a social platform, rather like Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you're scrolling and you're kind of passively consuming content. And then you can get hit over the head with a promotion, right? So we're, you're getting targeted and getting prospected where you're not intentionally searching and you're not really looking for something at that very moment. Um, you just happen to be in the right audience set. And as the business, you can say, you know, we want to target people on Instagram that are of, you know, this demographic, um, or this psychographic, this interest. Um, and we think they're a good fit for prospecting. Um, you could also throw LinkedIn ads in here as an example, um, which works really well for business to business type of marketing. So just kind of think about this concept of intent and prospecting, not that either is necessarily better than one another, but just knowing, knowing what tactic to use when. Um, a really powerful social tactic and display marketing tactic that you can use is remarketing ads. Because in a way, it does solve for intent and you can target through social, which tends to be a little bit cheaper than search in terms of advertising. And it qualifies for intent because if you're remarketing to somebody that has been to your website already. And, you know, you could qualify these ads by saying, if somebody went to the site, they spent more than 30 seconds on my site, if they went to these pages, but they did not go to these pages and, you know, set up all your, your rules for remarketing. Even if you have a really itty bitty remarketing audience on Facebook, Instagram, um, Google display, um, that already has, you know, Qualify that set of users is already qualified in a way because you know they've spent time on your site, they're interested in what you have to offer, but they haven't quite converted yet. So, we need to nurture those guys. Um, ultimately, when it comes to marketing, emails are still you know <laughs> one of the main currencies of marketing. So, if you can capture an email on first interaction, um, whether that be a, a gated piece of content, whether that be a newsletter sign up or um, an offer 
getting that email is gold because now we have a direct line of communication between you and your customer. Whereas with search and advertising and all these other things going on, um, you don't have a direct line of communication. You don't have a name, you don't have an email. Um, so you're going to have to pay for that engagement or um, sort of work to get that engagement. Whereas if you have an email, you can, you know, within reason, get in front of that person regularly and nurture them through email um, with almost a guarantee that they'll see it. At least they don't have to open it, but at least they'll see your message. So that's kind of a long-winded way of <laughs> explaining the ecosystem and why having a website and really thinking about that experience and analytics is so important. Um, any questions on that, Andrew, or should I keep trucking? Um, yeah. Can you go into, I'm not sure if this is all, also part of your presentation, but yeah, when it comes to the email captures, I'm sure people would love to learn, you know, how do you set those up? What's the best way to capture their email? Um, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I would say that it depends on what type of business you have. And if you're a business to business, the, the typical way to capture email is through gated content, or we call them gated assets. So webinars that are gated perform very well for business to business, especially if they're partner webinars. Um, white papers can do well if you're more of a technical product. Um, you know, how to guides, if you're a SaaS product are, are really good. Um, think about, you know, what would your customers want bad enough that they would get up, give up their email? Cause they, I mean, people are smart. They know they're going to get harassed with marketing. So yeah. think about like, you know, what, what would be, what would be good enough to, for where I'd want to give up my email? Um, so that works. That's a little bit of context on business to business and e-commerce wise, what can be really effective would be just couponing, like sign up to, for our, um, newsletter, get 10% off your first order. Um, things like that, or buyer guides or quizzes a lot of times. So, you know, complicated e-commerce products might, or websites might have a quiz that you submit that will help you qualify and find the rest, the best mattress for you, the best, you know, toothpaste for you, whatever it is, you know, you submit a bunch of questions and you have to put an email in to get your recommended products. So bunch of tactics um, out there. Uh, one good way to think about it is like get a list of your top competitors and look at their site, see what they're doing. Try that out. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Um, yep. Yeah. Keep, keep trucking on. Right on. So let's talk about um, experimentation. So, um, and that's really what like great marketing comes down to is trial and error. Like you're not always going to put in a dollar of ad budget and then get, $2 back. In fact, that's, that's really, really rare in performance marketing where you'll get efficiency as in like, you'll get, um, a return on investment that doesn't, that's not normal in marketing. Very, very rare in performance marketing as in like us, you know, talking about a particular campaign. Um, most often you're putting a dollar in and maybe you're getting 50 cents back. Um, but if your business is structured in a way that supports recurring revenue, that's okay. I mean, if you put a dollar in and you get 50 cents back of revenue for the first month, but you have a subscription business or something like that, and they're going to come back and, you know, purchase three times. Well, over the course of, you know, three months, if it was a 50 cent subscription over three months, you know, you put in that dollar initially, but at the end of three months, you got a buck 50 back and then, they tell their friends, 
and then they sign up and they sign up. So you have to think about marketing as like um, lifetime value of your customers and not getting frustrated or hung up, especially if you're a small business with, you know, man, I, I put in this, this money into Facebook or Instagram and it didn't work. You know, Facebook doesn't work or Instagram doesn't work or Google ads don't work. Um, the thing is everything works. It's just at what cost, <laughs> you know, what yeah. cost does it make sense for your business? Um, sometimes in business to business and B2B, the, to generate a lead, a good lead could be in the hundreds of dollars per lead or form submit. Um, but if you're selling a high ticket product, if you're selling a high ticket software, you just got to do the math a little bit. So if you're willing to spend $300 per lead or form submit, and let's say your close rate is 10%, um, and you get 10, 10 form submits. So there's, um, you know, $3,000, um, and your close rate is 10%. So you get one of those, you know, leads actually in the pipeline for sales and maybe you close them. Um, if you have a high ticket product, there's a chance that, you know, that business might be worth more than $3,000. So this is kind of important to keep the big picture in mind. And over time, the idea is that, yeah, it's not experimentation isn't efficient, but marketing can be over time. Um, you might find the right size of budget for Facebook and Instagram and search. And over time, you know, you can adjust things and say, you know, well, search is working really well for us. So we're going to put all of our effort into search marketing for now and kind of get that really efficient and then start experimenting with a different channel. Um, that's typically what I'd recommend is just like really dial one thing in and get it to a place where it's, where it's efficient enough um, and then start to add additional channels down the line. Yeah, but it definitely is frustrating. I understand if you're a small business. <laughs> yeah. um, basically, it comes down to this, this flow, this kind of never-ending cycle of increasing site traffic, diversifying where that traffic's coming from, um, and then understanding where the right offers you should be like where you should be placing the right offers because sometimes when you're prospecting like i'll back it up a second because there's there's efficiency and ex optimization within individual channels and sometimes it's not the channel sometimes it's not the targeting sometimes it's not the you know messaging it might just be your offer or it might just be um there are a bunch of factors right so you have to experiment and try these things out so um, for prospecting, or in some cases with search, you might want to experiment with like a mid-funnel conversion. That isn't your primary conversion, but it might be a way to capture that email, right? And you could call that a win. Um, and then you could start to put value on emails and say like, oh, well, if I get this many emails um, and I <laughs> eventually I convert, you know, 1% of my emails, then, you know, you can just reverse engineer how much that email is worth over time. Um, so don't give up, you know, it's what I'm getting at. Try different channels, try different offers on different channels and, and be pretty, uh, rigid about it. It's, it's definitely can be a little bit of a science. Um, let's keep trucking. One thing that I learned with my business is you can have all this marketing and it's something I've learned with a lot of businesses, actually, um, the worse your product is the more expensive it's going to be to market that thing. <laughs> if you have a really, really good product, 
people are going to talk about it. People are going to share with their friends. It's uh, going to be easier to sell somebody on an awesome product. That's like, oh my gosh, I want this. Like, I definitely need this. If it's something that is just like adequate, if it's just as good as the competition, which is where I, where I landed for a long time is I didn't, I had no value proposition. I was just another music licensing company for my small business. And something I see a lot of times with emerging startups um, in the software space is that they, they have a good solution, but the market demand isn't there yet because the market doesn't, hasn't identified that need or is not aware of the solution. So if you're in that camp of like, I've got a really good product, but nobody knows about me, you're going to have to spend more money too, because you have to raise awareness. So um, think about that a little bit, you know, good, good products. <laughs> that's, that's one of the best marketing things you could do, frankly, is have a good product, a good price, um, know who you're targeting and just really, really dig into that. Um, so over time, you know, you can be more efficient with the way you're tracking things and in marketing analytics, you know, getting more detail on where um, those journeys happen, where the, the best channels happen. And there's a lot of great resources out there on attribution modeling, on using, you know, things like Google Analytics and Data Studio. And um, as you get more sophisticated over time, eventually, um, let's say for a B2B business, you could say, oh, well, Andrew came in, um, you know, he's a lead, he's a deal that we closed. Like, how many times did he come to our website? when he came to our website, like what was his first channel that he interacted with? Was it LinkedIn? Was it Facebook? Was it um, Google? And then how many more times did he come? Did anybody else from his company show up? And then you could start to kind of build a story around these leads and deals. To, like this, like how, how do you know who's showing up to your Facebook, Instagram? Yeah. So, um, so with, with B2B, you know, using CRM tools like HubSpot or Salesforce or, um, Marketo, it, there's a bunch of CRMs out there that give you that detail and analytics and various costs. Um, it's not necessarily a perfect science, but those will, those tools are good. Um, if you're looking at things in aggregate, like if you're looking at as an e-commerce business, knowing like where people started, um, you know, what channels are driving revenue, et cetera, you could use a free tool like Google analytics. And if, you take a course over a weekend, you can get to a pretty good spot where you're, you're able to drill into, you know, what is working, what's driving revenue on your site. And that, that can all happen for free. Okay. That's good to know. Yep. Yep. Um, so let's talk about SEO a little bit. Cause I think that's a really practical thing. Uh, it's a practical marketing tool. Cause it really doesn't, if you, if you don't want it to, it doesn't need to cost you anything. If you, if you want to work with an expert business um, or an expert consultant, it's going to cost you a chunk of change. But really, it's one of those tools that if you want to self-educate, if you want to produce the content on your own, um, you, could, you could be very successful with um, pretty much minimal uh, money investment. And when we're looking at businesses that do well in SEO and organic search, kind of comes down to like three things, in my opinion, in my experience. Um, one, your site has to be technically sound. It has to be crawlable. It has to be fast. It has to be mobile responsive. It's got to have the right, you know, boxes checked for files and, and all that technical SEO mumbo jumbo. And really, that's that's not a hard thing to do. You could You could Google technical SEO best practices and get a list of like 
10 or 20 things to check. And once you have that squared away, um, you're good. That's sort of table stakes. Most, I would emphasize that page speed and mobile responsiveness are more important now than they have been in the past. Um, so just keep that in mind, optimizing your images, using a tool like Google's page speed insights or another tool called GT metrics, um, to run your site through one of those tools and kind of get a performance audit. Those are free tools that you can use. Um, and then beyond that, your site has to be trusted in search. There are things that go into your site ranking, um, beyond the technical component. And that's, does Google trust you? Are you trustworthy? Like for my small business, I was trying to compete with Shutterstock and a bunch of other very, very large companies that they're going to rank in Google search because they've been around a while. They have a lot of backlinks. They have a lot of social mentions. And that is a harder thing to control. As a business uh, that's newer, you could get more backlinks. You could do more uh, press releases. You could do more guest blogging, uh, more citations. But it's a hard grind. So I, I don't like to emphasize that too much because what I found is that if you have the best content, you're going to be able to play ball with bigger websites. So if your um, keyword research is on point, if you think about and keyword research um, as a whole category of SEO, basically just saying, you know, what are, what are people typing in that are popular search terms? Um, bunch of tools out there for keyword research. My favorite is called SEM Rush. Um, Moz is a different tool. Ahrefs is a different tool. There's some free ones out there called um, Uber Suggest and Answer the Public. Those are those are a couple free keyword tools. Some Chrome extensions out there called Keywords Everywhere. That's another free tool. Um, but the idea is that you organize these keywords starting with intent, thinking about, okay, well, if I'm a public speaking coach consultant, what terms could I organize by page and how can I target that term and use a variety of it, make it seem natural, create the best content, the best experience as I can. And if you create good content, in my experience, you can outrank or play ball with major websites, which is really, really cool because the Google favors user experience over authority. So um, here's some additional ways to get more backlinks just as a, a practical slide here if you want to take a screenshot of that please do this is a way to get more authority built up if you did want to pursue that and if you're a, a very new domain and you do not have any backlinks you got to do something here you got to get some backlinks you can't have zero um, i would you know definitely get some um, if you want to you know google won't trust you if you have no backlinks is kind of what i'm getting at you got to get a couple at least um, so Andrew, I got to ask you now, when do, when do you use search? When do you type things into Google? Every day, several times a day. <laughs> yeah. What are you looking for? Oh, what, do you, what, what drives, what drives you to search? Maybe not your particular search history, but you know, what, what <laughs> makes you want to go to Google? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I love sports. So checking sports stores, checking, um, products, you know, I, I just got engaged to checking a uh, wedding stuff. Um, yep. you know, checking local news stuff. Um, so yeah, really kind of varies on what's going on that day, I guess. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So I'd probably venture to guess that, um, when you are searching, <laughs> 
largely you're probably looking in these two buckets. You're either looking <laughs> for content, you're trying yeah. to learn something, you're trying to consume something, entertainment or information, or you're you know you're shopping around. You're this little cute little <laughs> raccoon guy over here with this little cart, mm-hmm. and you're just looking for something to um, to to buy to inquire about. So. Obviously, information um, is important. There's a lot of informational searches on on Google. In fact, those those make up the bulk of searches. And what's interesting is that um, you know this drives the bulk of the volume. These longer tail searches, as we call them, when you're trying to learn for some learn about something, um, you know that's where you're going to get the volume on your website. And those tend to be lower to mid level competition terms that you can acquire easily. But the thing is, those rarely drive the, the money, right? Those rarely drive the leads in the short term. So when you're thinking about this content, think about, you know, I need volume on my website because I want to remarket to them on Facebook. I want to capture their email. I want to, you know, link to these higher value pages. But you also need to have those higher value pages too because you never know what uh, is going to work. So I kind of what I'd recommend doing is getting a good mix of these going in a regular schedule. Like maybe every month you're making um, for every one transactional page, maybe you're making two informational pages or blogs. Um, When I was making my um, stock music business, an example of this would be, I would create a transactional page for stock music for corporate businesses, stock music for, uh, advertisers, stock music for school, stock music for fitness videos. And think about those different terms. And then that's, that's happening on the transactional side. Then on the informational side, you could create blogs, um, for things like how to pick the right stock music track. Um, things like, you know, five things every video creator should know about yada, yada, you're kind of interlinking with those transactional pages to show Google, Hey, you know, I'm not in it just for the money. I'm really like an established thought leader in this category. Um, and when Google sees that you're not just creating those money pages, but you're creating educational content, you're providing that additional value. And then they, they tend to um, favor your transactional pages. So hopefully that, that makes sense in terms of strategy. Yeah, no, I like that is you're saying, most people create informational content, but but um, we should focus more on transactional content. Find a, find a, the right mix, you know. Find the right mix, and when you're creating transactional content, um, make sure it's you know solving for intent. Like maybe maybe getting a little research behind your pages wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, throwing. Um, in fact, a, a really good method would be throwing a a strong competitor into one of those tools like SEMrush or Moz or whatever. And you can see what is working for them. You can see what types of pages, what types of terms are working well for them. That might steer you in the right direction to saying, you know, of all the hundreds of transactional pages I could make, you know, could I be smart about it? Could I, you know, start with these 20% that are going to drive the most results based on what competitors are doing? Um, Something to think about too. Yeah, it makes sense. Cool. So that, that comes into like this idea of do competitor analysis, keyword research, organize that stuff, build the brief. Um, this is not required, but 
if you wanted to you know, really be good about it, you could build a spreadsheet or a brief and saying, here are the terms I'm going to target. Here's my primary keyword, my secondary keyword. Here, I'm going to plug those terms into Google and see what's, you know, I'm going to see what's working. If I'm going to type in uh, public speaking coaching into Google for your business as an example is one of the things you do. Um, what's working? What, I mean, let me look at the top five or 10 results and just kind of go through them and seeing what, what, you know, why is Google ranking these pages? Is it the content? What's going on here? Um, and then based on that, you could say, you know, how could I do it better back to what we first talked about? How could I make it better? So looking at competitors and saying, you know, based on the thing I want to rank for, how can I make it better? Could I add more content? Could I add a video? Could I add an FAQ block? Could I, um, make the, my page a little bit more user-friendly or whatever you need to do, or could I make it faster? A bunch of variables there to, to mess with. But the key is if you keep optimizing, if you keep doing this, like it's going to work, which is um, pretty much amazing. So I'm gonna go for a couple more minutes because then I gotta, gotta run. Um, yeah. And just a couple, couple more concepts with this content strategy. So it's easier to optimize for something that you're almost ranking for than it is to capture an entirely new position. So if you're not familiar with SEO, that, that phrase might phrasing might be a little complicated, but what I'm saying is it's easier to go from a position of 20 to a position of five in Google search than it is to go from a position of 200 than it is to go to, from a position to a position of five. So for your website, you could run your website through one of these tools or go to a free tool like Google Search Console um, and plug it in and see like, well, you know, I'm not ranking for public speaking coaching uh, at all, but you know, this, this other service page for, um, you know, virtual conference, you know, organizing or something like that. Uh, you know, I'm actually on the second page of Google here. And if I were to put in a little bit more work, if I were to add some more content on that page, you know, maybe I could get to a position of five. So, you know, you might be asking like, well, why the heck do positions matter? Well, the data shows that if you're not in the top five results in Google, you might as well not even be in the picture. Like the amount of clicks that happen higher up on the page of Google is like astonishing. So if even if you went from a position of eight to six, you're already doubling the amount of traffic that you're getting just by nature of click-through rate. So think about that. Maybe it's better to focus on a little bit of optimizing existing content rather than creating new content. So that's also important to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking to expand into new categories, um, you could do so a couple ways you could think about, you know, what would I just like, Oh, like what would I kill the rank for in Google? And I kind of call those like dream keywords, like just with your gut, you know, like what are the things I really want to rank for? Um, and putting a plan together with that, you could do um, competitor analysis and throw your competitor sites into one of these tools and get some ideas, or you could use one of these tools to just start, you know, they have the, these neat functions where you could in SEM rush, for example, put in, public speaking coach, I could put that into the search bar and then I could get additional suggestions and then I might get your wheel spinning as well. Um, so a bunch of different ways to kind of get new expansion ideas and that's sort of never ending. Um, so here's a quick screen grab of like a few of my favorite tools. One that I'll throw in here, it's also, they do have a free, t a free tier, it's called Hotjar and it's not an SEO tool, but it is a 
user experience tool and something that I, I use on a lot of sites um, to get heat maps. So you can see where users are clicking. You can see how far down they scroll on your page. Um, you can even do this little creepy thing called video tracking and, and like record sessions on your site. And um, that's particularly useful because it's one thing to drive traffic, but it's another thing to convert that traffic. And if you could watch a couple of videos, you know, do a couple of heat maps and learn like, Hey, nobody's scrolling to the bottom of this page, but I'm getting a lot of hits on this page. Um, maybe that says something about your content, you know, or like I'm, you know, I watch a couple of videos and it turns out I have a broken link here. And I didn't even know about it. Or this, this piece of my site's not working. I didn't even know about it. Um, Hotjar can be really, really good for uncovering that. And, you know, if you could fix something that helps you double your conversion rate. Um, you don't have to double your traffic. So if you, if you have a thousand users and you're converting at 1%, um, you know, you could double your traffic to double your conversions, or you could double your conversion rate to double your conversion. So just also keep that in mind too. User experience is, is everything on a site. So yeah, a couple of examples for inspiration. SEO is a simple thing to do, but it is not easy. It takes mm -hmm. commitment, it takes a lot of work. Um, but the results can be astonishing. Here's a client that I worked with um, for multiple years. <clears throat> and this isn't a perfect picture. In fact, uh, the results are even way better now. But uh, they're an e-commerce business where their revenue um, through just all channels on the website was, you know, they're just kind of getting going with the revenue and started at about, you know, 30000 a month, something like that. Um, and by increasing organic search... I, I think this is in fact pretty out of date, but they're well over, you know, 200, 300,000 a month in revenue. And, um, a lot of that attribution, wow. you know, we can bring, bring that right back to SEO. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of amazing results can come from that. This is an e-commerce example. <clears throat> Here's a B2B example of a site. Also, um, this is a very, very big company. I uh, can't reveal either of these, unfortunately, but, um, really good results through SEO, through blogging, through um, transactional content, exactly what I'm talking about. And the common theme with both of these businesses is production, baby. <laughs> like it's just yeah. let's go. Let's make, you know, let's make 10 blogs a month. Let's make five pages a month, something like that. Maybe not doesn't need to be that aggressive, but mind you, these are two aggressively growing businesses. So um, if you can get on a good rhythm you may not see the results of your content for months and sometimes not even years, but if you can really keep at it, um, you can, you can turn some massive results out just from um, SEO alone. So it's a really, really, really great marketing tool. It's something that you know, I've seen executed well with a lot of businesses I work with, something that I've done myself on my own businesses and it. Like no doubt in my mind, it, it works. Like it's a, it's a practical marketing tool. SEO works, period, end of story. Um, it's just not an easy thing to do. It's simple, you know, get the right keywords, get the right content, and just keep doing that and optimize it and keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. Um, so it takes continued effort. And that's a hard thing to do as a business if you're busy. So finding a partner may not be a bad idea. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, pretty much all I wanted to cover. I um, got a couple of marketing blogs, which you might find interesting on the gravitatedesign.com site. Um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a website as well. If you want to reach out to me privately there. So can you, uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my spiel. 
Can you share your screen again and go back some slides? Um, I know that there's one slide I wanted to take another yeah. uh, screenshot of. Yeah, let me pull that up. All right, let me get back up here. Yeah, which one? Uh, go back, go back, go back, 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 back. Back, back. Um, maybe, maybe it was this one. Yeah, I think it's good to know. Okay. But just in case, keep going back a little bit. Back some more. It was a raccoon, wasn't it? <laughs> you got me. You got yeah. me. <laughs> oh, uh, this maybe one, this yeah. one for backlink building. Yeah, this yeah. is also a good yeah. one to keep in mind too. Um. All right. Well, yeah, Steven, I know you got to go. So thank you again for coming on. Uh, you can connect with Steven on, sounds like his website, stephenhousey.com on LinkedIn. Um, so this has been a blast. Uh, oh, I should show my screen. Probably help a little bit. Um, make us equals here. So yeah, this is a blast. Thank you again for coming on and uh, inspiring us about SEO and research and uh, putting us on the map, especially on Google. Um, and uh, appreciate you coming on. So keep keep rocking it. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you so much. Yeah, keep on rocking in the free world. Thank you for all that you do and sharing your knowledge as well. Welcome. All right. See you all next week, everyone. Cheers. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.